we want to create an end-to-end framework that starts with whenever you commit your secrets to Git, uh, we will scan your commits and we'll prompt you to actually add these secrets to in physical to your secrets manager. And in physical onwards, there will actually be the part of secret storage. There will be the part of secret orchestration. Well, it's it's already there, from which you can distribute secrets to wherever you need them, to any third-party services, any engineer, anything, anywhere you need them. And on top of that, we will also have features of actual secret rotation, so that how can you actually rotate these secrets in a very easy way. My name is Vlad Natsiako. I'm the CEO and co-founder of InPhysical. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. Many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. The company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart. And today, how Vlad Matsiako is helping you keep your secrets in sync through open source secret ops. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Vlad Matsiako was born in the Ukraine, but moved to the Netherlands to study his undergrad. He was one of the first data scientists at Bonk. He eventually got his master's at Cornell and actually worked at Figma around the time of their acquisition, which he mentioned was super exciting. Outside of tech, he enjoys tennis and traveling, especially to Europe, meeting people and hearing their stories, and of course, trying the food. Vlad and his co-founder were previously working on other startup projects, and one of the problems they encountered on a regular basis was secrets management. After talking to like-minded industry folks, they figured out that this was a much bigger problem and needed to be solved. This is the creation story of InPhysical. InPhysical is an open source secrets manager for developers. And so what this means is we're helping companies like PostHog or Government of Kurdistan manage their API keys and different other types of secret developer secrets across the whole infrastructure. So we help it locally to manage it across your engineering teams, but we also natively integrate with different third-party services such as Versal or AWS or GitHub Actions. 
myself and two of my co-founders, Tony and Maitul, have actually went back into Cornell. And we were previously working on a number of other startup projects before. And one of the problems that we encountered throughout all of that is secrets management. It was on, on a few different levels, but afterwards we started talking to many of our friends across the industry. And it turned out to be a much bigger issue because as your company grows, how do you actually take control of all your sensitive secrets that, that are so important for how your software operates? How do you actually understand which third-party services have access control to which secrets, which engineers are able to see what data. How do you rotate these secrets on a consistent schedule? And this is something that we decided to solve within physical because this is a major pain point for many, many companies. Okay, so then tell me about the MVP. So that first version of the product you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? In physical went through Y Combinator and I think like there is this fundamental white combinator ideology that like ship your product as fast as possible and ship your MVP as fast as possible. So we pretty much launched the MVP for Invisical within two or three weeks. I think it was two and a half weeks. And like we tried to do it even faster, but there are always some difficulties that you encounter. And we just invited a bunch of our software engineering team on the friends on the platform, started looking at like how they're using it and if they like it or not and getting their feedback and what could be improved. And the first version was actually not like a general secrets management platform, but rather it was only targeting like a very specific problem. And the problem was managing .on files, which is one of the ways to actually access secrets locally and in some other environments. Let's stay on the MVP for a second. With any MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around, you know, what tech you're going to use or what tech debt you're going to accept or feature cut and all those sorts of things. Tell me about those decisions you had to make and how did you cope with those decisions? We decided to use the technologies that we already knew fairly well. For the initial MVP, we're using a combination of Node.js and Next.js. Next.js for front-end, Node.js for backend. With a bigger product, we even have like our command line interface and a lot of different integrations and so on. So those use like Go and some other languages as well. But it all started very simple. So like we didn't really think about technical debt as a whole because like really what was the most important to us is time to value. So like how much time it actually takes us to create a product that people are willing to try out and that solves a problem for them. So back then, we didn't really think about how performant our product is or how scalable it actually is. We just wanted to make sure that it actually solves the problem. And after we make sure of that, we actually delve deeper into how to make it more performant and scalable and all these other things. Like something that I must say, though, is we definitely paid a lot of attention to security because we are fundamentally a security solution. So we like made a lot of effort to make sure that all the cryptography makes sense and that everything is secure. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. 
And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. Okay, from that point, you've got your MVP, you released it to some folks, it's working and they like it. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm curious about is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address within physical. Here, the most important part is just talking to your users, understand? Because like when we went into this, we had a lot of different assumptions and some of them turned out to be true and some of them didn't turn out to be true. When we launched in physical, it was actually closed source. With time, after listening to some of our users, we realized that for secrets management, we are storing such sensitive data for our customers. And it makes all the sense in the world to actually be open source because it instills more trust into our software as well. And they can self-host it on their own infrastructure. So their secrets and their data never actually leaves their own infrastructure. So it's very good for both compliance and security. So these are some of the learnings that we didn't know in the beginning when we started, but we talked to users and we realized that. And I think there's been a lot of that. So I, I think especially like we have a long-term roadmap, sort of like of where we want to end up, but it definitely varies a lot on let's say on like monthly basis, because sometimes we hear a very unique insight from some of our users about like certain features that they would actually be very interested in. And then we sort of like can modify the roadmap based on that. All the companies that we look at, let's say it's like Amazon or Procter & Gamble, right? Like they have the, those like annual planning, quarterly planning and so on. As a startup, you can't really do that because everything is moving so, so quickly and you constantly are learning new insight and you're finding your asymmetric advantages. And that's why like talking to users and immediately implementing their feedback as fast as possible is very, very important. Okay, let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? Currently, it's just two people, me and my co-founders. And we actually just finished our seed round. So we're going to start hiring very slowly. I, I think with hiring, it's something that you don't want to do quickly. There is a lot of examples. For example, Airbnb didn't hire for the first 18 months of their existence. So like this is definitely something that we want to embrace too. Hiring is hard and you need to find the right person. So something that we are doing here is we are actually going to be hiring first from our open source community. 
because in just a few months of our existence, we managed to build a very strong open source community. We have almost 6,000 GitHub stars. We have over 60 code contributors. I think in total, they contributed over 100,000 lines of code. So what we want to do is we want to hire some of these people who are already helping us building the product. And I think they, some of them are very, very excited to join our team too. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy with a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by CAST. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, CastAI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Okay, let's flip to scalability then. And this will be interesting given you're, you're building something to handle secrets and it's an important sort of glue, right, in between a bunch of things. But you're also building an open source repo. So I'm curious, you know, where does scalability fit into this? And maybe it's design, maybe there's some infrastructure, and I'm not sure, or maybe it's team. Are you going to have to fight this as you grow in any sort of capacity? I think we'll definitely need to change some things as we grow. Because sometimes, like, it's very hard to make old architectural decisions completely correct from the get-go. We already had some examples of things that we actually changed a little bit architecturally. But it's usually not a big problem. Usually it's totally doable. It definitely makes it, like, a little complicated because we have an open source version of the product as well as the cloud hosted. So, like, we can't always run different migrations for self-hosted versions or we need to provide those, like, migration scripts and so on. It's definitely like a mix of the two. Like, I can't say that we didn't think about scalability at all in the early days. But at the same time, it wasn't our core concern. Like, we were not the type of the company who would develop something for, like, half a year and, like, put it out there and see if it works. We were trying to develop every feature very, very, very quickly. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think the fact that people can now self-host their secrets management and have all these integrations, because fundamentally, companies are not only using secrets in one place, let's say in AWS. They're using secrets in their GitHub Actions and a lot of other places, also locally, and a lot of other places. So I think what we managed to do very well within physical is this place that you can completely host on your own infrastructure 
And then it's a single source of truth from which you distribute secrets to anywhere else you need them, whether it's to engineers or different third-party services or in future different workflows as well. We're really proud of that. A lot of companies are very interested in that. We have a really nice way to actually manage your secrets in Docker and in Kubernetes. And actually our Kubernetes integration, or we call it Kubernetes operator, is really good. It like automatically redeploys your containers with new secrets and has a lot of other cool things. How we want to view it is we really want to make a solution that makes companies not think about secrets at all. Because fundamentally, secrets are not core to your company's success. They're just there to make sure that your software is up and running securely. So as a company, you don't really want to think about it. And we are automating it for you. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. There is a lot of wrong assumptions that we took, for example, and, and some of them were also justified in their time. For example, the first command line interface CLI that we built for Invisical was actually an NPM package. So it was only a compatible with the JavaScript ecosystem. And we actually had to go back and rewrite everything in Go so that it's completely OS and platform agnostic. So that now every company can actually use it, doesn't matter what their language of choice is or what their operating system is. So this was kind of like an architectural decision that we made and we rolled it back fairly quickly. I guess it's like one of those scalability issues that you were talking about. And, and you only sort of like understand that once you actually built it and you realize that like your users want something else. Right. That's a tricky one, right? Because it was built right at the time, you know, like the, the information you had was probably the right thing to do then. And it's sort of like a technical debt acceptance sort of. Yeah, it, it was built right at the time. And at the time, it allows us to understand that people are actually interested in that. And that a lot of people like want to use it. And a lot of companies want to use it. And that's also helped us understand that we should actually dive deeper and make it even better so that even more companies can use it across all different operating systems and languages and frameworks. So this will be fun. What does the future look like for the product and for your team? So for the team, as I said, like we, we want to hire very slowly and we only want to hire people who are very, very interested in whatever we're building. And I, and I think there is this like very common misconception that like to build a lot of product, you need a very large team. I think it's not necessarily true. Like we can take a look at, for example, Midjourney, who is just like slightly over 10 people at this point, And they built a lot of very good quality software. Like a lot of people are very surprised knowing how small their team actually is because they only hire the best people. So that's something that we want to do. Product-wise, what we want to build is we want to build an end-to-end -end framework for managing all your secrets completely. So as a company or let's say as a DevOps engineer, you actually don't need to think about it at all. You can kind of automate it and ideally forget about it, at least partially. We want to create an end-to-end -end framework that starts with whenever you commit your secrets to Git, uh, we will scan your commits and we will prompt you to actually add these secrets to Invisical to your secrets manager. And in Invisical onwards, there will actually be the part of secret storage. There will be the part of secret orchestration. Well, it's, al it's already there. From which you can distribute secrets to wherever you need them, to any third-party services, any engineer, anything, you, anywhere you need them. And on top of that, we will also have features of actual secret rotation. So that how can you actually rotate these secrets 
in a very easy way. And this helps you reduce both external risks because hacker will have smaller risk of actually targeting these secrets and, and your attack vector is minimized. Uh, but at the same time, it reduces internal risk because let's say a lot of companies are doing layoffs right now or for whatever reason your engineer leaves, you'll have more control of knowing like what secrets they actually had access to. You'll be able to rotate them. And and sometimes that the employees can get malicious. Sometimes it's completely, they can be even unaware of the risk that they're causing to the company. So these are the things that we want to make. It's an end-to-end platform that helps you automate all aspects of secrets management. Right now, there is a lot of these fragmented services that are used across secrets management and different different security services. But really, as a company, for you, it doesn't make sense to have different services access all the same secrets. So it really makes sense to build what we call it, let's say, Rippling for security that combines different services into one and actually minimizes your attack vector. Let's switch to you, Vlad. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. Really, I don't have a specific person who actually influences me the most. I think it's really the combination of people and it's sort of the mindset. And physical just went through Y Combinator. I, I think what really influenced me a lot, and I generally like working a lot every day, a lot of hours per day. And I think having the community of many founders who are going through sort of like a similar stage of company development as us and seeing how much effort they are actually putting in and some of their results that they're getting, I think it's very impressive. And I think that influenced me and and like my co-founders as well to push harder, build a better company, better software, and get more customers and users. So I think that the community around me is the most important. I wouldn't say that there is like one person, like one famous person that actually influences me that much. Okay, so we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Didn't have to be a mistake. Could have worked, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. Well, there's a lot of things that we would have, like, (laughs) if we were to repeat it, we would have done differently. I think would have become open source significantly, like right from the start. Basically, for the first two, three months, we were actually closed source. And I think that was slowing us down in a way. So, yeah, if only we knew that, we would have become open source right from the start. That's a big thing. Definitely a lot of architectural things. Definitely a lot of learnings of, like, who in the company is actually responsible for purchasing software, like in physical, or who in the company is a champion for for this kind of software. So, definitely a lot of things that we learned. But, yeah, we can't go back, right? So... (laughs) unfortunately. Okay, last question, Vlad. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Yeah, so I'm definitely also a young entrepreneur, so I don't know how good of an advisor am I (laughs) to them, but definitely maybe a, a little further. I heard this advice from one like very, very successful YC founder, and the advice is nothing is as good as it seems and nothing is as bad as it seems. Because in your startup or whatever you're building, it will always be kind of like a roller coaster, and some moments will be, some highs will be very high and some lows will be very low. 
and the advice is to have people who you can talk to, whether it's your co-founders or some of your friends or family, and who will support you on your journey because it's definitely not easy. Um, and it's very important to have to have this support. And uh, if you have it, then it'll probably work out. Couldn't agree more. Well, Vlad, thank you for being on the show today and telling the creation story of InPhysical. Thank you so much for inviting me. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.